Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This is Auntie Vice, your host, and today we're here with Ray Luna. Ray is part of our Erotic Performers Week. They are a non-binary performer based in San Francisco, California. They've performed with Omnom Non-Binary, with Twisted Windows, who our guest Shay Tizano last week is the creator of. They do a lot of tech, and they have a lot to say about erotica and burlesque and performance and all sorts of stuff. So welcome to the show, Ray. Hi. It's good to have you here. It's good to see you when I'm not teaching a class and you're not freezing in your apartment. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have... Uh, I have a heater now. I have like one of those parabolic fan heaters my metamor gave me. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she and my partner moved to Colorado, so um, she was getting rid of a lot of stuff. Aww. I can't believe you don't need a, a fan heater in Colorado. They have horrible weather. They have, well, so their townhouse has like good heating all around, but also... Um, has like two of those fake fireplaces. Oh, nice. Which, yeah, and that does a lot. So this month we're talking all about erotic performance. How did you break into doing the burlesque and the performances that you do? So my first like gig was um, I was hired 26. 17 2016 I think I was hired 2016 didn't do my first act didn't do my first set or date there until 2017 was um for bondage a go-go I started out as a go-go dancer there so was this something you just were interested in or is it because you're just around it and you decided to give it a shot what what drew you into the performance so like for me it was I, I've always loved dancing and I've always danced. Like I'll go out and dance with friends. Um, we used to, before I moved here, when I still loved up in, in like the Seattle Metro area, I would go out pretty regularly with friends to um, this place in Kent. I don't know if it exa- exists anymore. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like sports, dive, karaoke, and queers. You know that I could sport queer sports bars are so much fun. There was one in DC when I was there called Nellie's and I just got to love the queer sports fans. They're, they're just a little different than both queers and sports fans, but together it's a great combination. Yeah, it was, it's like they did like sports bar, 
like Sunday through Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday was like big dance party. Um, any kind of any kind of queer, please come. That's awesome. So you identify as non-binary and we have quite a few folks in that spectrum on, on our show. So what does that mean for you? Um, for me, I like feel like I'm both and neither at the same time. So like I have pieces of each, of each, like with, with air quotes, each gender but I identify as, as genderqueer because like I say my gender is glitter. It's like, I'm trashy. I wanted your attention. I will get all over you if you let me. Like you can't wash me out of your sheets. Like I'm there forever. I love that. Well, and of course you'd have to go into to erotic performance if your, your gender is glitter, correct? Yeah, no, I mean like I remember when I was 18, um, going to community college um, and working at this really weird mall store during the day. <laughs> I had a friend who we would ride the same bus every, like every night to get back to our homes. And um, we were both talking about how like we wanted to be strippers, but um, like, sh- like she was traditional. She was like very small. She was very, like very pretty. Um, but she was also a hijabi and she was like, if I do it, I want to do it with my hijab. Because like, while she wasn't Muslim, that's like a part of her culture. That's a part of who she is. And she was like, but nobody's going to hire me for that. And I was like, I am a fat ass. Nobody's going to hire me until like, until I get skinny. And so that was like, that's why it took me longer. But I also felt like in the Bay, there's more room for that than I saw in Seattle. There's also the fact that like the stripper laws in Seattle and in Washington state are like fucking ridiculous. You have to wear a T-bar. There's no alcohol. Like it's, it's just, it's really restrictive. And I'm pretty sure that's why Portland has the most strip strip clubs per capita. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. So being bigger, that's, I mean, when you're in the burlesque world and you start to look around, there's a lot of us who are not these little skinny wayfish girls, but it can be very scary yeah. because so many of us who are, who are bigger bodied, it's the idea of a lot of people seeing us naked in public can be very uh, difficult to deal with. So how did you get comfortable? Or have you always been like an exhibitionist and like, here I am, take me for what I am. I have, I have always been a bit of an exhibitionist. I would be a nudist if I wasn't cold all the time, but I am perpetually cold and thus I must wear clothes. I, I will, um, I will like, attest to this audience. I have, Ray has hosted a number of my classes, fully bundled up, hat and mittens in her apartment. yeah like well especially like if you have i have a mohawk so like there's there's a lot of heat escaping so i have so i have my collection of uh beanies and stuff and uh today i have a very good one because it's got dinosaurs on it i love that i love that what was it like the first time you got on stage and got naked so 
when I since I started with go-go dancing, it was a lot of like just lingerie and or like bikini type outfits. And like I've always been someone who really likes my legs. It took me a while to get used to like and I've always had nice nice titties um and everything. So like I I was a D cup at fourteen. I I had I had big old titties early. <laughs> uh but I I guess like part of it was also by then I'd already been doing um I'd been working like at the Citadel as a volunteer and an ambassador for a while. And so I was kind of used to having, you know, my sexy uniform, like whatever made me whatever I wanted that day. And so like adding on dancing didn't change that. So I think I think it was helpful for me to like have been in the kink community going to like dungeons and stuff. Like when I play and I do a lot of, a lot of my play happens in public, I uh, do it with basically only underwear on. And that's like, and that's also like my line was, is I don't want to show off my bits. Like in in real life to people, like I I aspire to start doing porn too. <laughs> when when things are fucking safe again, <laughs> like that's that's a hard. Um, but I like the line is just like I want my bits only to be seen IRL by people who I trust, and that's like that's my line. Yeah, and like now I've found that you can get uh that they make um like C strings that um have the self adhesive. And so I've done those a couple of times and one when I did it I did uh the no cover cabaret in March and um one of the other performers was like, You're brave and I'm like, Well, it's a fresh shave. Everything should be fine. I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned having having you know being large chested, big breasts, but you're non-binary. How does it feel to have other people admire something that is so gendered in this world and so seen as a female representation, especially as a, a performer, burlesque performer, right? That's gonna inter influence how they see your gender. So how does that change how you feel about your body, having people stare at your tits? I mean, they're nice tits. I want people to, I want, I like being, like, I'm a Leo is like another thing. I've always been like, I want to be, like, I want people, I like to be the center of attention, um, like that kind of thing. And so, you know, that's fine. If people don't like it they can fuck off and if they're going to disrespect me or like anything like that they can fucking pay me for it there you go now i saw you in your last performance with twisted windows and it was more than just showing off your legs you did this amazing performance and you were getting into it you had all your belly into it you Hits into it. You're at, like you had your full body. How long did it take to get comfortable moving like that in front of people? 
uh, when you are not the the standard little skinny stripper? I mean, like like the the getting getting used to and comfortable with my body was a long, 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 long process. I remember in like 2008 was when I remember first being solidly in 18 and up and until uh, Miss Rona, I was an 18. I would fluctuate weight wise because anxiety and stress uh, can make you both lose and gain weight. Um, but I like this, I have now within the past year had to buy new pants, which is annoying, but it does mean that my ass got fatter. So like, and at a certain point, a lot of it is both like, I, I did do fake it till you make it. I like incrementally got like more comfortable being in public with like people. But I, I want, I think also some of it was like when I moved to San Francisco, I went to art school and while I wasn't like drawing, wasn't my, uh, focus, I did take figure drawing just as like, because, anatomy was a thing that I was using for my focus and like artists love people with unusual body shapes like the normal twig like Victoria's Secret model is boring yeah yeah it's and I think that one of the best things that happened with going to art school, even though like I dropped out and had a shit ton of debt, <laughs> is um, that it taught me both like, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody, like everybody's more in their own head about about themselves than, than you could ever be in their head. And um, number two is somebody like you, how to take criticism because that's also a thing that I've had a lot of like my mod one of the producers of Omnom they're also the ones who hired me for Bondage Agogo um and they constantly will be like this is bad this is what you need to work on this is what I liked this is like they they do they're really good at like giving me like blunt criticism and I'm like absolutely okay I might be my feelings about this for like an hour or two, but I know you're right. (laughs) Well, and I think that's one thing people who are not in the erotic arts don't understand is this is a real art form. This is not, you just jump up on stage in the afternoon and shake it and cool beans. Everybody's happy. Like for you, what goes into putting a performance together? Sometimes it starts with a song and sometimes it starts with a feeling. So like right now, so like the act that I did that you saw me in was um, Puss in Boots. And I like the one thing that was re- that's, that I was so upset about was that I ordered gummy mice to hand out. Cause that's part of, that's part of the whole story. Right. That would have been and amazing. They, yeah. Amazon didn't deliver it. I never got gummy mice. It just disappeared into the ether of shipping. <sighs> oh, well. <laughs> because I love Kitty by Presidents of the United States of America. That is, like, top tier. Like, I knew I was going to have to do an act to that eventually. 
but like the theme was like the theme was once upon a time I only had like four and a half weeks to get everything together I had the balaclava that I performed in already and I was like you know what would be the most ridiculous thing in the world wearing a fucking balaclava cat mask and and like almost nothing else <laughs> and so that's why that's where I went and I like got I mashed it up together the match wasn't as good as it could have been but it was my first time doing it so I just yeah I, it was basically like I love boots and boots I'm a cat I have a tail I have this thing like I'm putting this together let's go I have an act I've done a couple times and it's the one I did at Twisted Windows in September that's to Freak by Doja Cat and like I come out and like my my big um fluffy um leopard print coat just like so demure like when I had when I did Twisted Windows I still had hair so my hair was up and like one of the first things I did was pull my clip out and throw it pull my hair down and then just drop the coat when the 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 beat hits and she goes freak like me and I'm just wearing light white lingerie underneath and doing a slow tease to that it also sucks because it was fucking cold and so once I was over I had to like bundle back up and like (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned the music in both of these and it has been something that's come up on a number of, of the burlesque boards and other performers boards is how do you select music that's informed by your identity and appropriate versus inappropriate use of music? Because this is, this is a conversation I don't think people outside of the erotic performer zone actually ever hear. I like, I have put together lots of playlists, both for like, for like dungeon music. And when I do that, I usually, I was like trying to like, get it together and do stuff that was like very had a a variance of um, like types because not everybody wants to to beat to Eurobeat and not everybody wants to beat to industrial. And um, from there I like uh, started doing playlists. I do the playlist for the go-go dancers for um, Omnom. and but I'm also like we're a troop that's very much about like highlighting people or like disadvantaged people. So there is like a wait list for white performers to get into the show. We had somebody or we've there was when Call You By Your Name came out, I put it like it was right before one of our performances, I put it in the playlist and we got feedback that was like, hey. Um, and we kind of feel a little uncomfortable hearing a white person dance to something that has the N-word in it. And I was like, oh, shit, that makes perfect fucking sense. And then there was a huge thing of pe- of also people, black people saying, hey, this is for us. You're like, it isn't satanic. What you're doing is you're taking it the wrong way. You don't understand. You're not understanding how this song means to us as queer black people. 
So like, that's another, like, that's another like level of it. Like I once I had, there's a TLC song that I would love to do a performance to, but I would have to censor it because it also uses the N word a lot. And I'm thinking like, I love this song, but I don't think I should, I just should. It's not for me. Oh, it's just like knowing what is, what is appropriate for you. Um, and like, yes, it's cool to, it is good to use marginalized artists. Maybe look at the genius lyrics and the notes on it before you go into something because you saw the music video and thought it was cool and wanted to do your own take on the music video. So how does your own race inform what, what artists you highlight when you pick songs? Um, does that come up of like, I want to highlight this person that I feel a kindredship with, or is it just, this is a great song and I, I feel the lyrics. It's, it's more number two. So like, I'm brown. That is what I identify with. And that's because I am mixed. My mom is white. She raised me by herself. I grew up in white society, in the white Kool-Aid, did the colorblind thing for a minute until I realized it was fucking dumb because everybody in, I worked, my first like long-term job was in the same town that I was born in. And people would be like, where are you from? And I'm like, Renton. And they'd be like, no, really, where you're from. And I, I, it took me everything to not be like, I was born a mile from here. Like, get your head out of your ass. I don't, yeah. Also, the great person who came up and just like, namaste. Like, I'm not, because I'm not like, yeah. I had a coworker, I had a couple of coworkers in my department who were Indian, but I'm not. I, am uh, white and Arab, but I've never met my dad. I don't know what his culture is. My mom has been no help on that because she doesn't really know. Um, So for me, I am like white, like is white artists are usually like, I don't really feel too uncomfortable using unless, unless I know they're appropriative like Igloo, Australia, but also I love finding people who are of different ethnicities and like making sure that, A, I'm not like, like by using that song, I'm not appropriating anything. But I also like when I got, when I did get the feedback about like white performers with songs that use the N word, I'm like, oh, I need to like also, because I'm not black but I do have a lot of friends who call me black adjacent. I, and I think there's a lot of us who are in that adjacent. Like I'll have people tell me I'm leather adjacent or, you know, lesbian adjacent. I'm bisexual enough to be lesbian adjacent. You know? it's, you're close enough to get parts of the culture and understand it, but not yeah. really steeped in it. So you, yeah. talk, you talk about growing up in the white Kool-Aid and Lord knows there's there's millions of people out there doing that who are mixed race, even in the Bay Area. How did you start coming out of that and finding this is a conversation my my audio guy and I have all the time because he has two mixed race kids. How do you go about figuring out what that identity is? Because when you're mixed, there's so many different ways to go with it. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, like for me, it's just kind of like, I know what, like, about what my culture would be. And I'm trying to learn things as I can. Um, but honestly, I think the biggest thing is just not, not doing the ignorant, like the, the ignorant racism, not like breathing, breathing in that as a human and like knowing that your like your white friends are, you gotta be careful. Yeah. It's, it sucks that sometimes like you have to be more cognizant of other people, but like, it's kind of like the dog whistle of when uh, men come up to me and are like, Oh, Hey baby, what you doing? I'm like, I'm gay. It's, there's, there's ways to test. And it really sucks when you, when you like have known people for like, years and years and you figure out that they're just kind of a little intolerant in that way that the world is right now. Have you been able to find a community to connect with across your identities? Cause none of us is a single identity. So have you found a group that embraces the multitudes of who you are? Yeah, I have, I have a lot of friends who, um, like a lot of people that I would consider my family more than a lot of my bio family who, uh, while like I'm not find like the only like axis I think that I don't have any friends on is the Brown one, but that's just because like not a lot of people like me exist to be honest. There's lots of mixed, there's lots of mixed people, but mixed with, you know, Arab or, you know, to like, Middle East or um, North Saharan Africa. That's that's very uncommon, especially here in the States. And like one of the things that actually surprised me when I came here was how smaller the, um, the Arab and Muslim community seemed to be here than it was in Seattle. In the Bay Area, it's, it feels smaller. Yeah, like there, I would see several hijabis every day. Like my my job back then was also like a cashier in a grocery store, mm-hmm. so like I saw everybody, but like constantly on public transit because I didn't start driving until I could drink because I hate driving. One of the reasons I live here. <laughs> it's just yeah, it it that was kind of weird to see and I also here in the Bay here in San Francisco at my job even when I'm like talking doing my customer service like down in the cafe I um, don't I very rarely get where are you from that's great yeah the one time like this one lady who came in a couple times was like very insistent about knowing who I was or where I was from, but she was also brown, so it was really weird. Like, but like not not from like I think a recent transplant to the US. So it was just kind of yeah. So how have you been as as a 
brown, non-binary, bigger-bodied performer. How have you been received by the troops that you've worked with? Do you feel part of them? Do you feel included? Or is there still work they need to do? So I haven't done a lot of shows outside of Om Nom Nom and Twisted Windows that like I have to get booked for. Mm-hmm. But so far, I haven't had any bad experiences, thankfully. And I feel like part of that's just because I know I'm hot. And like, I feel like that sheet that it gives a shield between like um, people who will be like, oh, what a, what the fuck? Like, oh my God, you're you're so... You're so fat. Like, what the? How do? How can you think it's acceptable to do what you do? And it doesn't really happen. I'm surprised it hasn't. I haven't gotten Instagram messages about it yet. Yeah, the internet is tends to be much more hostile. One of the common things that happens when you're bigger bodied and you're an erotic performer is there'll be other people who come up to you afterwards and go, "That was so inspiring." I feel so much better about my seeing somebody like you made me feel empowered. So for those folks who are going like, okay, I saw this great performance and I might want to try it. What would you suggest to people who are kind of playing with the idea, but haven't gotten there yet? I mean, so um, Fox and I, I don't know you remember like Fox, um, they approached me once about like how we should do a class together about stripping for yourself. About like how like seduce yourself, get comfortable with your body. Like there, there are like ways that I tell people and I, I often say like my, the way that I did it, it can't, doesn't work for everyone. Like my partner is also a little bit bigger and they're very insecure about it and they hate the way they look. And um, I've not been able, like, I'm like, I just don't care. And I had to get to a point of not caring, but like, I know that that can't work for everybody. That won't work for everybody. It's like, yeah, my, my, like, my biggest thing is in private, like, in your quiet moments, like when you're getting ready, when you're putting your makeup up on, all that kind of stuff, like just sit with yourself, either like naked or in minimal clothes and like just get comfortable with not having clothes on. And then like, if you want to, you know, start dancing or performing or something, do it to a mirror, like try to, try to, to like seduce the mirror or, if that's a little bit too, like, intimidating, record it. Like, video yourself doing something. See the shapes that your body makes and how it, like, feels both, like, in your body, but how that can look to other people. Like, how um, beautiful, like, the way that you move is. Because we are often just, like, staring at ourselves in one spot looking at all of the like bad things about us and there's there's no point that's that's just self-defeating because nobody sees you completely still almost ever 
except for like maybe if you're sharing a bed. Not for me. I'm a restless sleeper. But <laughs> <laughs> and that's excellent advice. And for our listeners, if they want to find you, if they want to follow you on social media, see one of your shows, get a good latte, where do they go? Okay. So my day job is Wicked Grounds. Um, I run the um, online store and a lot of the supply chain stuff. So, you know, you order, if you, if you do an order from Wicked Grounds, I'm probably the one that's going to ship it to you. (laughs) Um, The other way is um, I have, I am on both Twitter and Instagram, though they're a little hibernating right now as at at underscore Moonray, M-O-O-N-R-A-E underscore. I also have my like, placeholder link tree uh, website right now at um, moon-ray.com. Perfect. And we will get those up on our listeners. Thank you for mu- so much for being on the show. This is Ask Your Auntie. This week's question comes from an anonymous reader, and the question is, Dear Auntie, how do I know what is the best wand massage vibrator? The wand massage vibrator is a very common vibrator that a lot of people use, usually as their first or second vibrator, and there are lots of different options. What's right for you may not be right for the next person. When you're considering a wand massage vibrator, consider how much power you like. Do you enjoy heavy vibrations on your clit or do you prefer something a little lighter? In terms of power, rechargeable wands will have the least amount of power. The ones that you plug into a USB port or that you use batteries in, although very few use batteries anymore. The the next level up um, tend to be the larger rechargeable wands, something along the lines like the rose gold from... uh, Adam and Eve, work is a great mid-range wand vibrator. And the ones that plug into the wall give you the most amount of power. And those, like the Love Honey Deluxe Couples Wand, tend to work really well for people who enjoy heavy vibration on the clit. All wand vibrators come with multiple attachments that you can buy for them, from G-Spot to P-Spot, stimulators, masturbation sleeves for somebody with a penis, lots of different ones. So con- consider what attachments you may want to use long-term. And finally, you're going to want to consider uh, how deep the vibrations are. Some wand sites will list the hertz, the vibration level of the, the wand. The bigger the number, the deeper the vibration. So if you prefer a much more thuddy experience on your clit, you may want to go with something around a 25,000 hertz vibration. Whereas those who like higher end vibrations, they can go as high as a uh, hundred or 10,000 hertz. And so figure out what's right for you. If you have a good sex shop in your area, go in and test. Feel what the vibrations feel like on your inner wrist or on your around your earlobes, the more sensitive areas, to get a sense of what it would feel like when you're using it on your clit or your nipples or your penis or wherever else you choose to use a wand vibrator. If you want my personal recommendations, you can go to loveletterstoaunicorn.com slash reviews and I have a whole list of wand vibrators, including the ones I indicate as my top pick. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.
Hi, this is Antivice from Fat Chicks on Top. I want to take a minute and talk about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles on the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire internet has become listenable all in one place. This is great for accessibility needs as well as people who would rather listen than scroll. Explore trending podcasts from 50 countries? Our podcast, Fat Chicks on Top, is there too. You can download Newsly for free from www.newsly.me and use the promo code FC0T, one month free premium subscription. And now, a moment of gratitude. I'm grateful. I mean, like, I could save my cat, but she also just clawed me in the areola this morning. (laughs) I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for the community of people that I have. It's it's really nice. Um, I have a lot of friends who might not understand every part, but like are still my fucking cheerleaders and will be and will be there for me when I need it. So. Hi, this is Auntie Vice from Fat Chicks on Top. If you like this program and you want more conversation, you want more queer stuff, please check out Hello, Welcome with Terry Dornack on all streaming services. This has been an episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Fat Chicks on Top is produced and hosted by Auntie Vice. Audio production is by A Serious Production. You can find all information about Fat Chicks on Top at fatchicksontop.com and follow Auntie Vice at Auntie Vice on most social media.